0: Chapter 4. Objectives and study in Acts chapter 4 to study the beginning of the persecution against the church and the reason for it, to note the apostolic response to this persecution and the continued progress of the church in Jerusalem. In this chapter, 5,000 plus are saved at the preaching of Peter's second sermon. But the apostles are arrested and imprisoned. The reason given for their arrest is that they preached the resurrection. The apostles are brought to trial before the Sanhedrin to explain the power or the name they used in healing the lame man. Peter answers by the power of the Holy Spirit and presents Jesus as the only way of salvation. The apostles are reprimanded by the Sanhedrin and commanded to desist from preaching in the name of Jesus. The apostles returned to the company of the early church. The church went to prayer, quoting Psalm 2, 1 and 2. They did not pray for cessation of persecution, but for courage to speak the word of God. The first case of persecution against the church is described in this chapter. Peter and John are put into custody because their preaching on the resurrection of Jesus disturbed a number of religious leaders, in particular the Sadducees, who denied the persecution. After a night in jail, Peter and John are brought before the council, including the high priest and members of his family. Challenged to explain themselves, Peter proclaims that the healing was done by the name of Jesus Christ, the very one they crucified yet whom God raised from the dead and who has now become the head of the corner. Psalm 118, 22. in whose name alone salvation is now available. Amazed at Peter and John's boldness and unable to deny that the lame man had been healed, the council sends them outside and confer among themselves. They decide to prevent the spread of the apostles' doctrine by threatening Peter and John not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. The apostles respond that they must speak what they have seen and heard. The council, unable to do anything more at this time because of the people, simply threaten the apostles and once again let them go. Now returning to their companions, Peter and John report what has been said. Prayer is offered, asking for boldness in view of the persecution foretold in Psalms chapter 2, and for signs and wonders to continue in the name of Jesus. At the conclusion of the prayer, the place where they prayed was shaken, And all were filled with the Holy Spirit, emboldening them to speak the word of God. The chapter ends with a description of the the continued growth of the church, with the oneness of the brethren and the empowered testimony of the apostles to the resurrection of Jesus. The great liberality continues meeting the needs of the saints. One example in particular is noted, that of Barnabas, whose work is featured later in the book, Acts chapter eleven and Acts chapter thirteen and whose liberality stands in stark contrast to what takes place in the next chapter. Beginning of this chapter, we have the rest of Peter and John, taken into custody, brought before the the council, kept overnight. The number of those believed was 5,000 by Peter's sermon. So what exactly did they get in trouble for? Acts 4, 1-3 says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. They got in trouble for teaching and preaching the word of God. They got in trouble for teaching and preaching the word of God. Now let's look at the efficacy of the Holy Spirit. Notice in Acts 4.4, the prison bars did not stop the power of God's word and his message. They laid hands on them, put Peter and John in prison, but that could not stop God. I love verses 3 and 4. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it is now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them was about 5,000. They threw them in prison, and this time 5,000 more got saved. Matthew Henry had this great thought in comment on Acts four four. See how the gospel got... Firm footing, and it was now the effect of the pouring out of the Spirit, and the promise of the Father was being fulfilled. Jesus said that the disciples would do greater works than after he had ascended to the Father and sent the Comforter. John 14:12, 16 and 15:26. Though the preachers were persecuted, the word prevailed. For sometimes church's suffering days have been her growing days, the days of her infancy. Were so. Let me read that last part of his quote again. Matthew Henry said, "For sometimes the church's suffering days have been her growing days. The days of her infancy were so. This is just another example of the church growing through persecution. If you look down through history over the many centuries of the church, you'll notice that when the church is persecuted and extremely hard persecution takes place, it seems that those moments is when the church just explodes in growth." church seems to get on fire and more serious about things when they're under persecution. For sometimes the church's suffering days have been her growing days. So what authority did the apostles, what authority did Peter John have to preach God's word? What authority did they have to do what they did? Acts 4, 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? What authority? By what power? How are you doing? Why are you doing this? By what name or by what power? Who's giving you the permission, or who's telling you to go out there and preach this and do what you're doing? Now, notice Peter's response to the above question, Acts four eight to twelve. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So what authority or what power did Peter and John preach and teach and witness and heal this lame man? What power what authority did they have to do this? The same authority and the same power we preach and we teach and we witness by. By the power of God through Jesus Christ his Son enabled by the Holy Spirit himself who lives in all of us that are Christians. Go ye into all your community preaching, teaching Jesus Christ and compelling them To come in. So they were threatened not to teach. The council they noticed the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived they were uneducated. They saw the man had been healed, standing with Peter and John. There was nothing they could do, nothing they could say. They reasoned a notable miracle had occurred. It was evident all they could not deny it. So to prevent the further spread, they threatened the apostles and command them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So what did the priest and the Sadducees see? What did the priest and the Sadducees see? Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. So what did the priest and the Sadducees see? They saw the boldness of Peter and John. And then they perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. They saw boldness. Peter and John had boldness. They boldly proclaimed the word of God, matthew seven seven 8. Ask, and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. We get our boldness to share God's word through Jesus Christ his Son, Ephesians three: eleven to twelve, according to the eternal purpose which He had purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. And read that again. According to the eternal purpose which he had purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. So where had Peter and John been? Where had Peter and John been? Notice the last part of verse 13. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So where had Peter and John been? They had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus today? Can people around you tell that you have been with Jesus? If we are saved, we should have a testimony of our Savior. It should be obvious to those around us that we are a Christian just like was obvious to those who observed the apostles it should also be obvious that we have been with jesus is it obvious that you have been with jesus can pe- can people around you tell you have been with jesus can people at work tell you have been with jesus can people at church tell you have been with jesus can family members tell that you have been with jesus they could tell that peter and john had been with jesus and they took knowledge of them that they had been with jesus do people around you take knowledge of you, that you have been with Jesus? We should have that testimony. We should have that aspect to our character that people could tell that we're Christians and that we spend time in God's word and that we have been with Jesus. So what was the response of Peter and John? All this, what was Peter and John's response? Acts 4, 16, 18, saying, What shall we do to these men, for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all of them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. They threatened Peter and John and told them not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus again. Acts four nineteen to 20 But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, more than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak to things which we have seen and heard. I love their response. For we cannot but speak in things which we have seen and heard. They can't help themselves. They have to speak and say the things they've heard about Jesus. They have to talk about Jesus. They have to preach Jesus. They have to go witness for Jesus. They have to tell others about Jesus. For we cannot but speak to things which we have seen and heard about Jesus. We can't help ourselves. We can't stop ourselves if we wanted to stop ourselves. We have to share Jesus. We have to teach Jesus. We have to talk about It's just in us. It's got to come out. They were not going to intimidate Peter and John. Want to know why? Verse 13 tells us why. Because they had been with Jesus. They get their boldness from Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb of God, they had been with Jesus. They were obeying his command to go ye. They had boldness from God. They could not help themselves. They just had to speak, had to teach, had to preach Jesus. Just like they had to breathe air to live, they had to speak, teach, preach, and share the gospel with others. They could not help but do what the Lord commanded them to do. Now Acts 427 27-28 For the truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. In these verses the culpability of the whole human race is mentioned. There was individual guilt, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Herod mocked Jesus and Pontius Pilate had him murdered. Herod scorned him because he was angry and Pilate sentenced him because he was afraid. Their motives were different The results are the same. They both rejected Christ. There is corporate guilt also mentioned. The Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Gentiles and Jews alike had a part in the crucifixion of Christ. John Phillips gives tremendous insight in these two verses. He says, Thus Psalm 2 had its fulfillment. The world united against the holy child Jesus. We see that holy child in Gethsemane crying, Abba, Father. Abba being an Aramaic word, the word of an infant, we would use the word Daddy to convey its meaning. was ever a sight so sad, Heaven's Beloved weeping his heart out in the lonely darkness of that garden, gazing in sore amaze, Mark 14.33, into the depths of the cup being offered to him, and crying, Daddy. That was the holy child Jesus. Later on the cross, again in the dark, there rang out that dreadful cry, My God! My God! Why hast thou forsaken me? That was Emmanuel's orphan cry. There he hung, God's holy child Jesus, with the whole world united against him. Mark fourteen thirty three to 36 And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed, If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. At the same time, though, not absolving men of their guilt, it was all done according to a plan worked out in eternity past for the redemption of mankind. To do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined Acts 4.28. It was all foreknown and foretold by God. God took this horrible event to demonstrate His incredible love for all men, that all men might be saved by the saving grace that Jesus offers as a result of His death. The shed blood on the cross. A line from George Bernard's The Old Rugged Cross says it best. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous attraction I see, for twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon. And sanctify me. So, what was the church's response to what had happened with the apostles? Acts 4:23-29. And being let go, they went to their own company, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage? and the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak, that word. So what was the church's response to what had happened with the apostles? Peter and John gave a testimony of what had happened to the church. The church's immediate reaction was a turn to God in prayer. They quoted scripture in their prayer to God. They praised God in their prayer. And then the last thing they did in their prayer was to ask for something. So Peter and John give a testimony to the church, what's happened. The church's immediate reaction, which w- would be probably our immediate reaction, they turned to God in prayer. They quoted scripture in their prayers. They praised God in their prayer. And then at the very end of their prayer, they asked for something. Remember, they're under heavy persecution. Peter and John just brought before the council. Threatened. Say, you don't preach anymore. They're under extreme threat, physical threat, violence threatened against them. So what do they ask for? What do they ask for? Notice at the very end of their prayer, they asked for something. It wasn't for some material need of possession. It wasn't for safety. There was nothing selfish about their request. This is just the one thing they asked for. They prayed for more boldness so they could do a better job of spreading God's word to their community and the world. They didn't pray for the persecution to stop. They didn't pray for their safety. They didn't pray for material needs. They didn't pray for anything like that. The only thing they asked God for was for more boldness so they can do a better job of spreading God's word in their community and around the world. Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. See, the Lord, they're threatening us. And grant unto thy servants, did it say safety, protection, uh, help us escape? And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They ask for more boldness so they could speak and spread God's word better and more effectively. In their prayer, Behold, Lord, their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Their concern was getting the word of God out. Their concern was getting the word of God out above their safety. They were determined to spread God's word, determined to see people saved, that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Acts 4.31 And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. "...where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness." We have our answer to their prayer. "...they spake the word of God with boldness, and they were assembled together was Shaken, and they all were filled with the Holy Ghost." God answered their prayer. "...the place in which they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness." Now, we notice we're going to see the progress of the church. They had unity. The multitude of believers were of one heart and one soul. None claimed their possessions as their own. They had all things in common. Notice their greatness. With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And a great grace was upon all of them. And their liberality. We see that in verses 34-37. to None among them lacked what they needed. For all who possessed lands or houses sold them. The proceeds were laid in the apostles' feet. Distribution was made as each had need, and then we'll move on and examine the example of Joseph, called Barnabas, son of encouragement by the apostles, who sold land and laid the money at the apostles' feet acts four thirty six to thirty seven and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is be interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country Cyprus, having land sold it. And brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. At this point in chapter 4, we are introduced to one of Luke's heroes, Joseph. He gets mentioned 23 times in the book of Acts. Religiously speaking, this man was a Levite. Nationally, he was from Cyprus, and his nickname was Barnabas, which is translated the son of consolation. It also has the meaning of being a great encourager or exhorter. This nickname embodied Joseph's life and ministry. In fact, we just know him by Barnabas when referencing him and hardly ever use his given name. Barnabas, like the others, gave. Did not have to sell a field and bring the proceeds to the apostles, but he chose to do so. This act of generosity demonstrated how he loved Jesus and people more than possessions. The fact that he laid it at the apostles' feet demonstrated submission, humility, and trust. He did not want to get credit for how it was used. He was not in it for self-gratification, but only for God's glory. Luke introduces him here perhaps as a good contrast to the couple we will be introduced to in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Other interesting information about Barnabas. After Paul's dramatic conversion, Barnabas courageously vouched for him when the Jerusalem church was suspicious that a former persecutor would want to join their ranks. Acts chapter 9 Barnabas was a Christian leader and preacher Acts chapter 15 On one occasion he was sent by the Jerusalem church to Antioch While praying, fasting, and worshiping God Barnabas and Saul received the call from the Holy Spirit to go on their first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13 Barnabas, along with Paul served to straighten out Jew and Gentile tensions that arose in the early church by sharing from the scriptures and his experience how the Gentiles are being saved and could fellowship with Jews. That's in Acts chapter 15, and mentioned in Galatians chapter 2. Barnabas had a sharp disagreement with Paul that ended their ministry together. That's in Acts chapter 15. explains that Barnabas wanted to take Mark along on their missionary journey, while Paul did not, because Mark had abandoned them on a previous trip. Paul would eventually describe Mark as profitable to me at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4.11. It makes sense. That Barnabas would stick up for Mark, for they were family. We see that in Colossians chapter 4.